Hello, Mama. Welcome to Reaching Abundance. Today, I'm going to walk you through how to get your finances organized. We are going to address the physical paperwork aspect and the online e-statement situation, and you'll learn why each of these components of the financial organization picture is important, what to do first, and why you'd even care to do any of this in the first place. A huge part of why I'm a financial coach for moms is to relieve the overwhelm and fear of the unknown women feel around and about money. Moms in particular have a million other things to worry about. And when your purpose and focus is on raising well-adjusted, creative, intuitive, curious humans that will actually contribute to society, you shouldn't have to worry about money or worry if you're managing the family's finances well. So if we can organize, create a system, simplify, and streamline the whole financial process, wouldn't that relieve some pressure? The thing is, so many moms walk through life day after day feeling like they're doing it wrong or like they don't know what they're doing. Like they don't have enough time to handle everything. Sound familiar? Yeah, I know, because I struggle with those feelings too. But there are answers and relief inside this episode. And as you listen today, remember, abundance is possible for all of us, even though it looks different for each of us. And that is a beautiful thing. Welcome to the Reaching Abundance podcast, where your host, Virginia Elder, shares helpful guidance for moms around positive mindset, creating simplicity, practicing true self-care, and most of all, money management. Her financial journey toward a better life blossomed into an insatiable desire for overall happiness and abundance. Hang out with her right here each week while she ditches the taboos around women and money, shares resources, educates, and financially empowers all the mamas. All right. Thank you for being here with me today. I'm Virginia, and I'm super excited about this episode because we're talking about money and organization, two of my favorite things, and how those subjects meld together. Financial organization is so exciting to me because it's the baseline for making progress with your money. If you know where things are and where they're going and you have a system for what does what and where things belong, then I'm hoping that's all on purpose and that there was some strategy involved in planning that whole system. On top of that, When moms come to me for help with their finances, whether their goal is to pay off debt or save for college or to fund a remodel or to look toward retirement or for just accountability with budgeting and then actually sticking to that spending plan, the first thing I look at and the place where I usually find the biggest holes is in financial organization. 
So in this episode, we're going to dive in and talk about physical and digital organization options, what I recommend for each, and some potential problem areas to watch out for. First things first, I want to address the time component of getting a system in place for your finances and getting organized. Your first reaction is probably along the lines of, ain't got time for that. I know, girl, you are a busy mama. Remember, though, I'm in this with you. I've been the working mom with kids at two different daycares and schools. I've been the mom with two kids doing homeschool. And I've been the work-from-home mom juggling two kids in elementary while building a business. Some days I feel like if another thing comes my way, I'm just going to lose it. I am not trying to add to your to-do list. I'd actually like to present the perspective that I'm removing things from your list because if you listen today and implement this stuff, your mind will feel and your countertops will be less cluttered. Your finances will no longer feel like a distraction. And when you receive a ping or a statement in the mail or an email notification, it won't even phase you because you'll have a system in place. Just imagine no more piles of unopened mail on the counter, no more late fees on statements that got buried, no more last-minute panic of paying the bill on the due date by 5 p.m. because you missed the notification. Dream with me for a second. There's a system in place. When you get a statement or a bill, you know how to take care of it, when it will get paid, and what to do with the paperwork, if any, when it's complete. Your inbox won't be cluttered with notifications and statements, and everything gets paid the correct amount on time. (sighs) Nice, huh? So my position is that you actually don't have time not to do this. By following my organizational advice here, you're creating more peace, free mental space, and confidence in your financial situation without even actually making financial progress. The beauty, though, is that by being organized with your finances, you'll also gain a clear picture of all the moving parts and be more likely and more able to make real progress. Maybe that's paying off something or saving more on a consistent basis. Whatever that is, let's go. First things first, let's talk physical organization. Even if you've opted into e-statements only and do the majority of your money moves online, there's still a certain level of physical money-related paperwork you shuffle. You'll receive an offer or a new card your W-2, insurance statements of coverage. There's all kinds of stuff that still comes in the mail, even if you've opted out of paper statements. And when you receive these things, you need a method for making sure you open your mail and a system in place for what to do with it. Make it a point to check your mail at least twice a week, every day if you can. And then to open all the mail you've received at least once a week. So 
Let's pretend you've decided you can and will check the mail Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then you're going to open everything and sit down and address it all on Saturday. Ideally then, on Saturday, you'd sit down with your computer, budgeting app, planner, and anything else you rely on, and you handle the business. This means opening and sorting the mail, taking care of any action items like paying bills or making appointments, and then filing the paperwork away. So that's your system, a designated routine where you check your physical mail, open it at least once a week, and then take care of what you opened, which leads us to the physical organization component. This is like an old school filing system like your mom or grandma probably had, although there are much prettier options these days, I have to say. Maybe you use a legit filing cabinet or a decorative filing box with pretty pink folders. Whatever it is, it just needs to hold file folders with each creditor or company's name on it, which is where the mail for that company belongs. I want you to have a separate file folder for each bank account, for each creditor, for each insurance policy and company, and each brokerage account you have. So that's your investments. I even have a file folder for each pet in which their vet records and grooming receipts are stored and separate folders for each kid where their medical records and other paperwork specific to that child belongs. Having a file for every separate company and account and being makes it so that when I receive paperwork, no matter in the mail or after a doctor's appointment, it has a place to belong, which also means it's not trashed accidentally, stuffed in the bottom of my purse, or cluttering my countertops. No matter how color-coordinated or pretty you make it, just make sure the routine and the system work for you and that you have a physical file for every little thing. Even if that file folder remains empty, that's okay. It's there if you need it. This physical filing system is also a very good visual for how many accounts and things you're really juggling. Knowing you have lots of accounts open and then seeing the physical stack of file folders provides a very different, sometimes eye-opening feeling. Next up, along the same lines as the physical file cabinet, you need structure for all the cards. We have debit cards, one for each partner, for each account, credit cards, insurance cards, membership cards, all the things. So here's my suggestion. You carry pertinent, current, insurance and membership cards and two other cards, like one debit and one credit, on you, in your wallet, in your purse. Everything else is locked up at home. Now, if you have a little Tupperware box or a nice Ziploc style bag, if you want to keep all of the extra cards in that, that's perfect. And then that goes right there in the drawer with your files. This way, if you're ever looking for a card, you know right where it is or where it should be. 
This makes it tough to lose cards, easy to recognize fraudulent charges because if a card is in your file cabinet, then surely you didn't use it, and easy to switch out an old expired card when a new one comes in. No more hunting down which purse something was left in, being unsure what the hubby has in his wallet, or which card was used for what. So again, this is the goal. If you're thinking, gosh, I cannot do that right now. I need this card for this and that card for that thing, and I've got to have my target card. Well, (laughs) it's okay. What I want for you is to really examine the way you've been functioning. Is having all those cards for this and that working for you? Is it benefiting you or is it making your life more complicated? I personally found that when I removed a bunch of cards from my purse, of course I didn't use them anymore, but I was also less worried about what would happen if my purse got stolen. It's comforting to me to know that I would only have two phone calls to make, one to my bank and one to my credit card, and that the rest of my accounts are secure because I'm not carrying those cards around. The other thing I found out about store cards, and we'll use the lovely Target card as an example. Yes, it's great. Yes, you save 5% on your purchases. But I found that when I took that out of my wallet, my trips to Target magically reduced. I found that when I need to go to Target, I make a specific list of what I want, schedule my trip, and then get the card out of the cabinet and go with a purpose. Then, since I have the card out and it doesn't really belong in my wallet anymore, I'm prompted to log into the account and pay the bill right then and there before putting it back into my Tupperware, which helps make sure I don't conveniently forget about my little shopping spree. All in all, a lighter purse less cards to carry around, more purposeful on-budget spending, a place where the cards and all the paperwork belongs, and a system under which to handle it all. This is especially helpful when it comes to tax time because everything's organized and easily accessible. Which brings up another point. Make additional folders that work for your needs. Each year, I have a folder named Receipts. This is where all receipts go, no matter for what, so that we can make a return, look up how much something costs, provide whatever records are needed for taxes, whatever I got to do to take care of business. If you're also a business owner, this entire system and organizational structure should be duplicated and separated for your business. That means a separate checking account, savings, insurance, credit, the whole nine yards, separate files and folders for each thing for your business. As you're creating this physical organization system and putting names on file folders, make sure the names are clear. There should be some designation of what the account is for and what company services the account. For example, maybe the file says Chase, personal joint checking account, or Capital One credit card and the last four digits of the account number. 
We have a couple different life insurance policies between the hubs and I. So each folder has the company name, the insured's name, and the last few digits of the policy number. Making the names clear will prevent confusion and further frustration when you're trying to put some mail piece in there. Another thing that might happen when you're creating these files is that you'll realize just how many accounts you really have. You may start to feel like you should close some or freeze some or maybe just cut up the cards. Hang on right there. While you know I'm all about simplification, don't do any of these big moves until we get through the whole episode. At that point, you can make an informed decision on what to do. We're going to touch back on this again in just a little bit. Let's switch gears a little and talk about digital organization because undoubtedly the digital portion of money management is kind of a big deal. We've got email and apps, each with their own set of notifications, plus a budgeting app with notifications of its own and different cards emailing you that you've been charged a fee or that your credit score has changed. Oh my God, how do we do it all? (laughs) So it's important we take a minute and evaluate what's been happening digitally for us and do we like it? Is it working? Ask yourself, are the notifications helping me or just causing distraction and chaos? I'm going to start with email because that can get out of hand quickly. And since most of us receive between... 100 and 400 emails a day, my first advice here is just to unsubscribe from the crap. Seriously. Rather than deleting them day after day, if it's inapplicable to you and you never open so-and-so's emails that you subscribed to a year ago, unsubscribe, girl. If you take one minute a day and unsubscribe from two or three lists, you'll make a magical amount of progress very quickly. Next, create folders within your email inbox to keep you organized. I'm a fan of keeping these categories really broad and simple, like kids stuff, bills, receipts, travel, and memberships. Once you create a few general folders, you can easily begin to sort the emails you have and see what other folders you might need. Again, keep the folder names here broad. If you get really detailed, keeping up with it will be a nightmare. Okay, so to recap, we're really detailed with the physical folders, with a separate folder for each card and each name and all of that. But in your email, you're really broad with the folder names. This is because we receive so much email. Much like the mail opening routine, you need an email opening or an inbox routine. When you check your email, whether it's every day or not, you should immediately hone in on the items you are not going to open, the ones that are just junk that you have no interest in. Like I said earlier, unsubscribe from a few each day and then delete the rest. What you should be left with, then, are the things that you are curious about, subscriptions to blogs or podcasts that you actually like, and important things that you actually will address, like emails from the school, 
bills, invitations, and messages from friends. Then here's what I do. As I open the item, if it can be taken care of quickly or if it's just information for me, I open it and take care of it and then either file it in one of my folders or delete it once I'm done. If it's something I have to respond back to, but I don't know the answer yet, or if it's a bill and I'm not going to pay it right this second. So basically, if it's something that isn't yet completely taken care of, I mark it as unopened and I leave it in my inbox. Depending on the item, I know what it is and I'll address it on, for example, Saturday when I'm planning my week and budgeting. So it stays in my inbox as an unopened item right now as a signal to me that it still needs to be addressed. So I've looked at it, I know what it is, but I've marked it as unopened. I do this because if I open it and don't address it, it gets lost in the shuffle. It sinks to the bottom of my inbox and forgotten about, which if it's a bill, that's how you'd wind up with late fees. And we don't want that. When I reopen that email and take care of it, like responding to the party invite, reading the note from the teacher and packing the library book in the backpack or paying the bill, I file the email in one of the inbox folders we talked about earlier. You might have a different system, but this is what works well for me and it has for years. If an email is unopened in my inbox, that means I need to deal with it. If an email is in one of those folders, that means I addressed it and it's done. Whatever you do, just ask yourself what your system is and if it's working for you. And then consciously make some changes if not. Since most bill pay, banking, statements, and notifications are online these days, I do pretty much everything having to do with budgeting from my computer. So for me, it doesn't make sense to have a bunch of apps on my phone, which also means I'm not receiving pings from those apps and I've adjusted the settings for each of my financial accounts and click the little checkboxes to receive email notifications only. This is my way of streamlining. It would make me bonkers to see a bunch of those little notification bubbles on all the apps in my phone and emails in my inbox. So you really have to evaluate how you like to do things. If you're an app person and you primarily use your phone, then your system might be a little bit different. Either way, I want to encourage you again, log into the settings for each of your bank accounts and cards and make sure you have the notifications set in a way that works for you, that you'll actually get the notification And so that you're funneling everything in the same direction. Like for me, I'm funneling everything to my email and I don't really use apps that often. Speaking of apps, the next item on the financial organization checklist is budgeting apps. I've mentioned these two friends before, YNAB and Mint. These are my go-to budgeting apps. They have a desktop slash website version and a mobile version. Hey, Mama. This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite budgeting apps. And let me tell you, its functionality is nowhere near 
any other I've discovered. It's called You Need a Budget, or YNAB for short, and it's the only app that guides you toward not just creating categories and setting spending limits, but actually ensures you can't spend more than your available cash. During the depths of our get-out-of-debt journey, I tried app after app, but none of them really helped break the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. When I found YNAB, I was suddenly able to see the age of my money and allocate this month's paycheck to next month's bills. And when I set money aside for a category or to pay off something, the app automatically reduced my available cash balance so I didn't accidentally spend that cash on something else. YNAB was instrumental in getting us debt-free and I still use it to this day. Get your free 30-day trial by clicking on the link in the show notes to this episode at reachingabundance.com. I'd venture to say that even if you're a spreadsheet gal like me, I live by spreadsheets. That's how I track everything. You're probably with me though if for budgeting you're like, do not give me another dang spreadsheet. I completely agree. (laughs) There are lots of great templates out there, and there's even a spreadsheet tracker called Tiller that looks really cool and I've heard a lot about. So if you completely disagree with me here and you want a spreadsheet, I suggest you check out Tiller. Just don't go waste your precious time reinventing the wheel. If you want to go that route, there you go. Otherwise, you might be wondering why I'm mentioning Mint and You Need a Budget. Well, they do different things for me. I use Mint for a sky-high overview of what all my money is doing. It shows me my credit score, a list of all my accounts, and the balances on each. It notifies me when I pay a bank fee or when I get charged interest for some reason, And it shows me the most important indicator of financial health overall, net worth. I pop into Mint about once a month to just import things and take a look at these key indicators. Yes, Mint has a budgeting feature, but it's pretty lame if you ask me, and it doesn't actually help you stay on budget. It's just like most other budgeting apps where you can set categories and amounts, but it doesn't actually help you spend within those categories or help prevent you from overspending, which is where You Need a Budget comes in. YNAB, or You Need a Budget, is the first and only, to my knowledge, budgeting program that actually helps you live and spend within your means. Because it's smart enough to see what minimum payments you have coming up, what utilities were just charged to your card, and how much you budgeted for savings this month, and it actually subtracts all that from your quote-unquote available cash balance. So if you use your card like most of us do, you're not still looking at that same high checking account balance as yesterday. That money is still in your checking account, yes. But the amount available that YNAB shows you takes into consideration what you just spent on your credit card and allocates cash to cover that spending. 
So there's no more opportunity for spending on your card all month and hoping you can pay it off. You know for sure once you allocate money to housing, utilities, savings, kids, sports, and everything else, you know exactly what you can spend. So you're no longer confused by thinking you have a bunch of cash and plenty of credit and then falling into that trap where you actually can't pay off the full statement balance. I'm not one of those Dave Ramsey-esque cash-only cut-up-all-your-cards coaches because I don't do that myself. Although there are certain circumstances where cash-only is necessary until you get things under control, but that's for another episode. I use one card for all my automatic charges like memberships and subscriptions, utilities, and other very consistent living expense-related bills. Those charges get paid off in full automatically each month with an automatic recurring payment of the full account balance. I use another card for all our daily spending on groceries, out to eat, online shopping, Walmart, gifts, and everything else. Now, these are all very flexible budget categories, so this is where I really watch things and use the heck out of YNAB so I can for sure pay off the balance each month. But I do this one manually because I like to be meticulous about categorizing and really be aware of my spending on this account. That's it. That's how simple I've made my finances these days. And that's your goal. That's why you'd create a system for your paperwork, for your email, and select just one or two budgeting apps or systems to help manage your money so that things can be simple and streamlined and automatic. I wasn't always like that, though. I'm hoping you heard the prior episode where I shared all the dirty laundry about my financial past. There was a time where we were drowning in debt and things were really tight and really scary. And I'll tell you what, a big part of how we got there was by being disorganized and not paying attention and not having systems and apps and all this to rely on. So even with these great folders with each account name on them and your little box or zipper pouch of cards and only two cards in your purse and email folders and these great apps, you maybe still don't have a clear perspective on how many accounts you have, whose name is on what, all the account numbers, how to access each account, what the balance is, all that stuff. And actually, you'll probably want to do this next step, what we're about to talk about, so that you can set up Mint and YNAB effectively. You're going to create two things, a master list and a bill calendar. These are physical paper things for me because I want them to be right there in front of my files so everything is in one place and I don't have to search Google Drive or anything. The master list is a sheet where you have everything listed out plain as day. You're going to have a column for each of the following. The account name, account number, description, what it's for, the account holder's name, the balance, the bank name, interest rate, whether you have online access, 
the username and password, the PIN, any 0% or promotional deals, the due date, and the minimum payment. So for each account that you own, that you've created a physical file folder for, you're taking a few minutes to pull a statement and log in online and fill out as much information as you can on this master list. In the end, your master list will show you every balance you have, which accounts, if any, are on a promotional rate, which accounts you're paying or earning interest on and how much. You know how many accounts you have and the due dates for every single one. This single paper is like your table of contents to your budget. It's a one-page overview of everything you've got going on. Now, this is where we circle back to what I mentioned before about if this list is too long, in your opinion, and it's overwhelming, or you feel like you have too many open accounts, this is where, now that you've set up everything and have a really clear overview of everything you own and maybe why you have each account, you can decide if you want to close or freeze certain accounts. Yes, if you close some accounts, it may affect your credit score slightly. The effect is minor, and I'd argue that you can make up the difference and more with good financial behavior now that you're getting yourself organized. So that little hit should not be a deterrent. I'd also argue that temporarily reducing your credit score by a few points is nothing compared to the panic and time on the phone you'd spend if there was suddenly some fraudulent activity on all of those open yet unused accounts. I do have a little advice here though. Only close one to two accounts at a time, two to three months apart. Keep open your oldest accounts or accounts that have a high credit limit. And for these, I'd check the settings online or even call the creditor to see if they can freeze the account since you're not using it and don't plan to right now. Another option, if you're really in a place where you don't plan to make any big financial moves like refinancing, balance transfers, or open any new credit lines, consider freezing your credit at the credit bureau level. This prevents anyone from opening accounts using your identity, and it just freezes everything just the way it is. There is a small fee, and you'd have to do it for both you and your partner, and then call and unfreeze your credit before any future big credit moves like opening a new account, or refinancing. So now you have your master list with every stinking detail on there possible. I love the master list idea. It is so useful to have an overview like that. Just a single place where everything lives. You have access to every account you own with the usernames and passwords right there. And it's obvious which balance is on which account and when the payments are due. I hope this goes without saying, but guard this list. It has lots of private information on it, 
file it in the front of your little filing cabinet or lock it away with other secure items in your fireproof box. You do have one of those, right? Again, something for another episode. The last most useful tool I want to share with you today is a bill calendar. For very visual people, it helps to have a physical calendar where every bill and amount due is written on its due date. For this, I'm hoping that you've heard the phrase or the concept of using your calendar as a tool. This is where creating a bill calendar helps you see if your bills are due all at once, maybe like in a cluster all within a few days, and maybe that causes stress, or if things are spread evenly throughout the month, and maybe you like that or maybe you don't. When you can see in a calendar form when all the bills are due and you can see the amounts that are due on which day, you can decide if those due dates work for you based on when and how often you get paid. I use a cash flow calendar to this day to help me track and budget because for me, the visual aspect of what's coming in and going out every single day really helps me keep my spending on other things in check and I'm able to see my balance and what bills are due shortly. You can print a blank calendar off from your computer or even just go snag a real calendar at the dollar store. And then one by one on each due date, write the amount that's due and what it's for. This way, you have a very visual monthly view of your financial obligations. Okay, Mama, we went through physical organization of file folders, email folders, and app notifications, my favorite two budgeting apps, and how to create your very own master list and bill calendar. I want to be upfront about this and tell you that this all won't happen in one day. This is a lot. Tackle one of these things at a time and then come back and re-listen to this episode if you need to when you're ready to take the next step. And like I said, this is the exact type of basic organization that I set up with my one-on-one coaching clients during our first meeting or two. Because this type of organization is the foundation of budgeting and making progress with your money. It's nearly impossible to make strong progress toward financial goals if you don't even know where all the moving parts are and what they're all doing. So while it's not cookie cutter for everyone and there are some customizable portions, if done well... Creating systems and organization around the physical and online aspects of your money with purpose will relieve a lot of the stress and fear and feelings of, I don't know what I'm doing, that you have around money management. And of course, I'm here for you. If you get stuck or have questions or decide that you need me as your financial coach, just message me. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Happy Healthy Abundance or visit reachingabundance.com and book a free call right there on the site. And remember, there's no shame here. I've been through it personally 
And I've seen all sorts of client situations. Yours will not surprise me. I absolutely hope that listening to this episode allowed you to think about how you envision your best self being financially organized and what that might look like for you. Maybe you already do some of what I suggested and now you know what to implement next. Or maybe you're starting from scratch and are a little stressed at the thought of all this organization talk, but are planning on just taking the first step and creating a method or a system for just checking and opening your mail each week, curbing the potential for late fees. Wherever you're at, just give yourself permission to take one step and be proud of that. Before you go, I want to thank you for listening to Reaching Abundance. This podcast exists to help mamas live happier, healthier, and more abundantly in every way possible. Getting financially organized plays a large role in managing the stress and confusion mamas can often feel about money. Once you're organized and you know exactly what you have where, it's much easier to see and decide what you should do next. Budgeting is easier, paying off debt is more possible, and contributing more to savings is ever so likely. Thank you again for being here with me today. I really, truly believe we can have it all through intention, consistency, and always trying to be present in the moment. This week, edge a little closer to reaching abundance by tackling one of these suggested financial organization components. Hey, you might even be able to create those email folders and start working on your inbox during nap time today. Don't forget to check out the show notes at reachingabundance.com where you'll find the links to YNAB and other suggestions I made, an opportunity to book a free 15-minute coaching call with me, and the summary of everything we talked about here. I look forward to talking with you again next time.